0: All right. Good, mo- good good morning. Good evening, everybody. Oh man, here's my day. Um, we're going to continue in Leviticus chapter 14. I'd ask you to turn there. Or uh, we're going to do the same as we did last week. We're not going to. Stand and read it first because it's such a We'll read it as we go along. If you remember from last week in chapter 13, it was all about uh, leprosy, skin diseases, and of course, leprosy was a wide variety of different things. It wasn't necessarily what we see in the movies, um, but it, a whole host of different things. The priest was the one who was to determine whether a person was clean or unclean, um, whether it should be outside the camp or when they were allowed inside the camp. Uh, And in chapter 13, there was given no formula for restoration to the, the nation of Israel, to the tabernacle. And in chapter 14, that's actually what we have. We have the formula for restoration, if you would. The title for tonight is The God Who Heals and Restores. The God Who Heals and Restores. As we said, it's Leviticus chapter 14. We're going to go under two headings here tonight: healing from skin disease in one to thirty-two, and then cleansing or cleansing cleansing of house diseases uh, from thirty-three to fifty-three. Under the heading of healing from skin diseases, we're going to find ourselves in three different places. We're going to be outside the camp, inside the camp, and at the tent of meeting outside the camp, inside the camp, and at the tent of meeting. So let's pray, and we're going to jump right on into outside the camp under healing from skin diseases. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is holy. Your word is true. It is the standard by which we are called to live. It'll be the standard by which every man, woman, and child will be judged. It is that perfect, it is that holy, it is that awesome, it is that powerful. And we thank you that through the power of your Holy Spirit, guiding and directing us, you give us insight and understanding into your word. And we need it all the more tonight, Lord God. It is an awesome and a dreadful thing in many ways to dive into your word, Lord God. And we thank you that we have a guide who guides us into all truth and not into error, but makes known to us, as Paul says in Ephesians, the mystery of Christ. So may we see the mystery of Christ all the more this night. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Outside the camp. So the person has had leprosy or some skin disease. They are outside the camp And now the the process of healing or if God is healed, however it works, um, it begins outside the camp. Look at what it says in verses 1 to 3. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law. Okay, let's stop there. The law. This is what it's going to be. So we had all these 613 plus laws of the Jews. Well, this is one of them. This is one of the laws. This is the law of the leprous person for the days of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp. In other words, the priest makes, there's a meeting with the priest. The priest leaves the camp, goes outside the camp to meet with this quote unquote unclean person, this leprous person. And the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed, in the lepros the see the, if the then if the case of the leprous person is healed in the leprous purse. What does it mean to be outside the camp? It means to be away from the presence of the Lord. You are not allowed entrance into the tent of beating. You are outside the sacrificial system. You are outside from the presence of the Lord. Look again, let's read it again and let's see something a little different here. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leprous person for the days of his cleansing. He shall be brought out to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall look. Then if the case of the leprous disease is healed in the leprous person. The priest was only to determine if the person was cleansed or not. Remember back in chapter 10, God told the priest that you are to determine between what is clean and unclean, holy and unholy. He said, because of that, you are not to come into your job drunk or anything impairing your mind. They had to be sharp in their mind. That's why in Leviticus 10.10, it says you are to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the the unclean and the clean. The priest was to go out and look. Is this gone? Is this disease gone? He had determined already by looking whether the person had a disease or if they did not have the disease, if their clothes had the disease or if their clothes did not have the disease. Now the person has the disease. They're outside the camp. They're cut off in, in many ways from the children of Israel, from life within Israel. They're outside the camp. The priest goes out to it. We'll get back to that symbolism in a little bit. The priest goes out to the person. It seems that the person is healed. The priest goes out and look Again, verse 13, it says, And the priest shall go out to the camp, and the priest shall look. Then if the case of the leprous disease is healed in the leprous person. The priest did not heal. The priest actually, were told nowhere in Scripture, that the priest invoked a prayer over the person. They didn't offer a sacrifice for healing for the person. They didn't do an incantation for them. They didn't tell him, put this bomb on, do this or do that. They did none of that because that's what the pagan nations did. That's what the pagans did. They say, well, if you do this for your God and if you put this lotion, and if you run here and if you run there and if you cut yourself or whatever else you would do, right, to invoke the favor of God. Remember when Elisha was on the mountain and the prophets of Baal began to chant and they would what? They would hope to get their God's attention. They began to cut themselves. They thought doing things would get God's attention. None of that is prescribed here. None of that is prescribed. The priest would only look and he would determine. That's all that he was to do because they were to be different than the pagan nations around them. There's a purpose to all that. To show that it is God who heals. God alone is the healer. God is the only one who could heal anybody. There was a point to it. God alone is the healer. Look what it says in verses 4 to 8. The priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds in cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease." Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go out into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days. Well, it's a pretty interesting process here. Cedarwood, scarlet, a scarlet thread, and hyssop. It seems that those were provided for the person to be cleansed. They did not provide that for themselves. It says they shall be brought to him these things. What do these things represent? We know the Bible is full of symbolism. We really actually don't know all that it symbolizes. I have always, me personally, I have always seen in that a picture of the cross. That's what I have seen. Is is that what it symbolizes? We don't know. It also makes me think of what Solomon says in, in Song of Solomon one seventeen that the beams of our house are cedar, that my dwelling place, which is a picture of God and His bride, that our dwelling place is cedar. It's a wood that does not rot, right? It's, it's a stable, hard wood that does not rot. It makes me think of the Passover. I would only imagine that perhaps the the lentil of their house was made of cedar. doesn't say. We don't know. But more than likely, they took a hyssop, which was a wide-ranging plant of the area, and they took that and they put it over the doorpost. David writes in the Psalms, Wash me with what? Hyssop, and I shall be clean. What we can definitely see, the symbolism is that one bird dies, and one bird is free. Symbolizing death and disease and new life in Christ. It's very similar to the scapegoat, where two goats were brought. One was killed and one was let go into the desert as the bird was. He, spr- he dipped the scarlet, he, uh, I don't know if they tied the bird to the wood or what, or how they did it, but they took the cedar, they took the hyssop, they took the scarlet, the bird, they dipped it in the, in the blood and the water. And actually it says fresh water, perhaps your version may say living water. The fresh water, they would dip it and he would take it and he would sprinkle it on the person who is cleansed seven times. You know what they did on the Day of Atonement? They sprinkled blood seven times. There's a lot of similarities. He was to wash his body and shave off all his hair. Symbolizing the removal of sin. They were now allowed inside the camp. Inside the camp. Look at what it says again in verse 8. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that, he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days. Wait, if you're cleansed, why are you not allowed fully into your family? Well, I like what Alan Ross says in his book, his commentary, Holiness to the Lord. He says seven days of waiting was a precautionary step to ensure full recovery. The person waited for the ritual to continue on the eighth day in order to be restored to the covenant community. So we see that on the seventh day, he was to shave again. Look what it says in verse 9. And on the seventh day, seven days ago, you shaved off all your hair. On the seventh day, he shall shave off all all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair, and then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. Now you're integrated into your, you can go into your house, your tent, as it were, because at this point they were dwelling in tents. But because he came from outside the camp to inside the camp, he can now go to the tent of meeting. And that had to be the greatest thing on the heart of an Israelite. I don't necessarily need to go to my tent. I want to go to God's tent. I want to be at God's dwelling. I want to meet God. I've been cut off from God. I've been unable to access God through the sacrificial system, through tithes and offerings. I've been outside the camp. But I, who was once, what did we say this morning, was far off, have now been brought near. Brought near by God. Look what it says in verse 10 at the tent of meeting. And on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs. Now the person who is cleansed, now they have a responsibility. They are to take two male lambs without blemish and one ewe lamb a year old. So three, three. And a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah, of fine flour mixed with oil, and one log of oil, which I think is two-thirds of a quart. So this is what now the person who has been healed of this disease and been pronounced clean, they were to bring to God two, two lambs, two male lambs without blemish, a year-old lamb, it doesn't say male or female, it just says a ewe lamb, without blemish, grain, flour, a, fine, a grain offering, oil, that's what they were to bring. And it says this in verse 11, And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So here he comes now. He brings these. The priest takes them. They set them in maybe a particular order, however it was, and they set them before the Lord. God, here he is. Here is the one to be cleansed. Here is the sacrifices of which he is bringing at the tent, at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Verses twelve and thirteen. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering, along with a log of oil, and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they killed the sin offering and the burnt offering in the place of the sanctuary. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. So what is this sin offering? What sin? What guilt does the person have? It was something that most likely he didn't do anything to sin for. He didn't sin. He wasn't like uh, Uzziah who went in and tried to offer sacrifices to God and God struck him with leprosy. Or or, uh, uh, um, Elisha's servant. uh, uh, What's his name? Gehazi, who stole and God struck him with leprosy. It wasn't that he most likely have done, have done anything. What is it? Why is there a guilt offering? Well, it's more likely really a reparations offering. Remember when John led us through the sins, if someone sins unintentionally, right? They didn't do anything, but... It wasn't their fault. They didn't mean to do anything, but by means of it happening to them, they were cut off from God. Therefore, they were guilty, and it had to be restored. That's what that is. Look what else happens. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Very familiar, because that's the same process that happened to the priests when they were consecrated. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand and dip his finger in the oil that is in his left hand and sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. Again, a process that was done. Uh, uh, before the Lord in the tent of meeting. And some of the all that remains in the hand of the priest shall, shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him as to be cleansed, uh, and on the right thumb of the hand of the big toe, the right foot on the top of the blood of the guilt offering, and the rest of the all that is in the priest's hand she shall put on the head of him as to be cleansed. Again, same thing that happened to Aaron when he was consecrated. Then the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanliness, and afterward he shall kill the burnt offering, and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. I like what uh, Gordon Williams says in his commentary. He says, if the blood served to unite him with the altar... The oil spoke of union between God, the priest, and the worshiper. Once readmitted to full membership of the covenant, the healed man could offer the standard sacrifices expected of all Israel, the burnt cereal and purification offerings. This was what allowed him to be fully back into the covenant people. He could now offer sacrifices. Forever long he had his disease, it doesn't give us a time. Could have been years, could have been months, could have been weeks. We don't know. But whatever it was, he was cut off from offering sacrifices. The very thing that God said, this is what you need to do to have a relationship with me. You need to offer these sacrifices. He was unable to. And now he was able to. I wonder what a person felt like when they offered that sacrifice. Sacrifice how great it is to be back with God. The closest thing I can come to, and I understand it falls so short, is after COVID, the first time we met as a church. Man, that was a special day. That was a great day. Here we are as we should be. I I can only imagine the joy that would overwhelm the person's heart. says, I am now... Back in right standing for God. My sins have been atoned for. I'm clean before God. For so long, I wasn't. We also see that there's concessions for the poor. And more than likely, if you were cut off long enough, you were poor. You couldn't earn a living. You couldn't be part of society. You were cut off from society. And so more than likely, you were poor. How great it is that God makes these kind of concessions for us. Look at what it says in verses 21 to 31. I understand it's a long passage, but we're going to read God's word. But if he is poor and cannot afford so much, can't afford two lambs a year old without blemish, he shall take one male lamb for a guilt offering to be waived to make atonement for him. That's the one that's non-negotiable. The guilt offering is absolutely non-negotiable with God. To make atonement for him and a tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and a log of oil. Also two turtle doves or two pigeons, whichever he can afford. The one shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. And on the eighth day, he shall bring them for his cleansing to the priest to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord. And the priest shall take the lamb of the guilt offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb of the guilt offering and, the, and he shall kill the lamb of the guilt offering, and the priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the, right, on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand and he shall sprinkle with his finger some of the oil that is in his left hand, and seven, uh, left hand seven times before the Lord. And the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his hand on the lobe of the right ear of him is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot in the place where the blood of the guilt offering was put. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before the Lord. And he shall offer of the turtle doves or pigeons, whichever he can afford, one for a sin offering, the other for a burnt offering, along with the grain offering, and the priest shall make atonement before him, before the Lord, who is before him who is being cleansed. And so same process, just different animals. God makes concessions. But there's theolo- what are the theological lessons that we can learn in this? That God alone is our healer and hope. God alone is our healer and our hope. What did God tell the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 15? If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in His eyes and give ear to His commandments and keep all the statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. The right thumb, the right big toe, and the right earlobe are used in the concentrations of the consecration of the priest. It was so that they may come close to God. The ceremony is the same for the one who is zeal that they may draw near to God. What did God say to the children of Israel? You are a what? A kingdom of priests. What does the New Testament call believers today? We are what? A royal priesthood, a holy nation. In order to draw near to God, we have to be consecrated and clean for us to draw near to God. I want to read for you uh, what Alan Ross says in his book, Holiness to the Lord. Boy, if you want a great commentary that is very easy to read, easy to understand, I would recommend Alan Ross, Holiness to the Lord, a guide to the exposition of the book of Leviticus. I want to read you what he says about this. It's a little bit lengthy. It's not going to come up on the screen. But if you download the notes, I promise you it will be on that. He says this, and I'm only reading what he says, because I I remember one professor in college said, when you write papers, use lots of quotes. It takes up space. (laughs) I love that idea, because that's how I would take it, right? So I'm not going to try to say in my own words what he says so much better than I do. He says, in the New Testament... We see that Jesus healed lepers and others who suffered from diseases to show that He was able to make all people fit to enter the kingdom. He made people whole in body and in spirit. And then through His death, He completed the atoning work by taking both their sins and infirmities on Himself. In fact, the death of Christ picks up the major motives motifs of this chapter, as well as the themes in the earlier sections. In the first part, the priest goes outside the camp to the sufferer, a theme that finds fulfillment in Christ dying outside the camp for the sins of the world, Hebrews 13, 12. Then the ritual of the two birds finds fulfillment in Christ's death and resurrection. His sacrifice makes preparation, atones, purifies, and dedicates to service. The anointing corresponds to the sending of the Spirit in Zechariah 4, 6 and 1 John 2, 20 that enables cleansed cleansed and sanctified persons to serve here on earth and fits them for glory. The atoning work of Christ then touches the whole life, body and soul, restores us to fellowship with the Holy Lord God and fits us for glory. I love that, fits us for glory. It is a restoration to complete health, a pledge of life in the world to come. Complete sanctification enables us to hear God, do His will, and walk in His ways. We are cleansed to live in holiness and service to God. And while the New Testament focuses on spiritual healing, it does not ignore the body, for the whole person is restored to God. In the same way that this ancient ritual restored fellowship, The shedding of Christ's blood on the cross reconciles man to God and makes it possible for the sinner to join the household of faith that underlines all the applications of the truth. That's the purpose that God has to unite us to Himself. But then God adds this thing about cleansing of houses. They didn't live in houses, they were still in tents. So God is now looking down the road for them. Look at what it says in verses 33 to 53. I understand it's long, but it's God's word. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, when you come into the land of Canaan, now when you come in, now look, just stop there for a second. When you, what is that? A promise. When you, not if you, when you, right? When you come into the land of Canaan, which I give for you for a possession, listen to this, and I put a case of leprous disease in a house in the land of your possession. Holy smoke, wait, I put? God says when I put a case of leprous disease in a house in the land of your possession. Why would God do that? Well, because God can. God will do it for a reason. There's a purpose for everything God does. There's a purpose of testing in this. I think it's part of what God would say, I want to test to see what's in your heart. How are you going to respond to this? What are you going to do if there's something unclean in your midst? How are you going to react to it? Well, God says, this is how you should react to it. Then he who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, there seems to me to be some case of disease in my house. Then the priest shall command that They empty the house before the priest goes to examine the disease. Everything is out, right? I guess if you need your house decluttered, put some mold in it. Call me, John, Mike, or Len. Empty your house out. And then, well, no, I'm kidding you. You know what I'm saying. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes to examine the disease, lest all that it is in the house be declared unclean. Isn't that great? and afterward the priest shall go in to see the house and he shall examine the disease and if the disease is in the wall of the house with greenish or reddish spots you know we had white and reddish now we have greenish and reddish and of course which what that's the colors of molds right right that's the color of mold and mildew and if it appears to be deeper than the surface The priest shall go out of the house to the door and of the house and shut up the house seven days. Well, that's what they did to a person who may have had a skin disease for seven days. They were shut shut into a place by themselves. And the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look. If the disease has spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall con- command that they take out the stones in which is the disease and throw, them into an, and throw them into an unclean place outside the city. And he shall have the inside of the house scraped all around and the plaster that they scrape off, they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city. All right, well, let's just stop there for a second. What does all that mean? They shall take stones. They built their houses out of stones. There's plenty of stones in Israel. Uh, When when I went many years ago, I guess they told us that the old uh, Jewish uh, fable is that God gave an angel the job of putting rocks on the earth and he dropped them all on Israel. And there's rocks everywhere. Um, They would take these stones in the field. Uh, cut them or whatever they did, and they, but they would put plaster over them. They would make it smooth. So that's what he means. It, stucco for us is what we would call it. Um, so they would make this, their house smooth. It would be, keep the wind out. It would keep the bugs out, hopefully, and all of those things. So they were to scrape all of that off down to the bare stones, and whatever they scraped in the entire house was to be dumped outside the camp because it was diseased. Then they shall take other stones and put them in place of the stones, the ones they took out, and and they shall take other plaster and plaster to the house. So the house gets totally remodeled. This is what happens. Verse 43 says, If the disease breaks out again in the house, after he has taken out the stones and scraped the house and plastered it. So he put all this work, all this time and this money into it. And here it comes back. Then the priest shall go and look, and if the disease has spread in the house, it is a persistent leprous disease in the house, it is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones and its timber, and all the plush of the house, and he shall carry them out of the city to an unclean place. So now your whole house is condemned. It's to be torn down and taken outside the city, and it's done with. Moreover, who enters the house while it is shut up shall be unclean until the evening. So in other words, if you cross the yellow tape, you're unclean. And whoever sleeps in the house shall wash his clothes, and whoever eats in the house shall wash his clothes. But if the priest comes and looks, and if the disease is not spread in the house after the house is plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean, for the disease is healed. And for the cleansing of the house, he shall take two small birds with cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop, and he shall kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water and shall take the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet yarn along with the live bird and dip them in the blood of the bird that was killed and in the fresh, in the fresh water and sprinkle the house seven times. Thus he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and with the fresh water and with the live bird and with the cedar cedar and hyssop and scarlet yarn and he shall let the live bird go out of the city into the open country so he shall make atonement for the house and it shall be clean so it's very much the same process for the person who has a skin disease a leprous disease what's missing in the process of being cleansed the burnt offerings the sin offering is missing why? A house cannot be atoned for like a human. So the word atonement here doesn't mean to atone for, made right before God. It just means to be purified, to be cleansed. A non-living object cannot be purified, and con- can only be purified and consecrated for use by God. And I believe that's what God has attended here. What did I take out of the whole thing with the house? If God has given us something, it is to be used for God's glory. We need to take serious that everything that I have is not mine. It belongs to the Lord. I'm a steward of what God has. Does that mean I have to let everybody use everything I own? No, you know what I'm saying. Has God blessed you with a house? Use it for the Lord. God blessed you with a car? Use it for the Lord. You understand what I'm saying. This is what the people of Israel do. They were to be a covenant people. They were to enjoy each other, enjoy fellowship with God. And to say, you know what, I don't want you over my house. I don't like you, this or that. I don't want anybody in my house. Is not to honor God with what God has given to you. Not all of us are in a position that we can do that. I understand that. But the attitude of what do we have? What gifts, what talents do we have that God has given to us? Are they consecrated for the Lord? Do I use them for the Lord? So we see that God has made provision to atone for and to draw near people who have been healed, that He Himself is healed. If the possession or house is infected with the disease, God has made a way for that to be made uh, purified and to be used for the Lord. And the text ends with this. Verses 54 to 57, and then we're done. This is the law. Okay, this is the law. God says this is unchangeable. This is the law for any case of leper's disease. And now he's going all the way back through 13 and into 14. For an itch, for leprous disease in a garment or in a house, and for a swelling or an eruption or a spot, to show when it is unclean and when it is clean, this is the law for a leprous disease. God's desire for us is that we be Pure. And God has made every way to heal us, to cleanse us, and to draw us near through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, it's odd to us. We don't understand leprosy. We don't deal with it. We don't necessarily deal with our houses having to be looked at by the priest and potentially torn down or atoned for. But we thank you that our greatest disease, sin, has been taken care of in Jesus Christ. For you, God, made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. We thank you that with your blood we are atoned, with your blood we are purified, and with your blood we are drawn near to God. Thank you, Lord God, for the incredible blessing, the unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Let's close on a song.